So as I said earlier today, we are in our final uh, Sunday of our series here for stewardship. And so today's passage is going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. So I invite you to follow along as the words are read and presented on the screen. Or you can use your own personal Bible or Bible app. But we were looking at 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel, so that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I am now gathering a couple of sticks that I may go home, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of a meal will not be empty, and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went and did as Elijah said, and that she ate as well as he and her household ate for many days. And the jar of meal was not empty, neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know about you and your life, but in my life, there's been some moments where I just wanted to throw my hands up and say, I quit. Have you ever been there? You've, you've, you're in a moment, you're in a situation, it's tense, it's tough, whatever it is, whatever moment it is, you're there, you know, you're like, you know what? I quit. I, I can't do this anymore. I give up. I have nothing left to give. I can't do this anymore. I might as well just start over something new, not do this anymore. One moment in my life that I think back on that I was at that point was when I was in middle school, and I was in the middle school football team, okay? And if you all ever done a football team, you have to be uh, doing some preseason training to get ready for the season, and a lot of times that involves the, the wonderful thing called two-a-days. Y'all know what two-a-days is? I don't know how many of y'all have done two-a-days before, okay? They are awful, 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 awful. You have to wake up early in the morning in the summertime, do training with the team, and you go home, you really can't do anything, then you got to come back and do some more training, okay? And you do that for an extended period of time just to get ready for the season, to get you back into shape, okay? And there's one thing that we would do on the two-a-days that I hated, and it was called the soul train. And we would all line up on the edge of the football field and they would usually put the fastest people on the front of the line, and then the slower folks, the linemen and all that, in the back of the line, and then you'd start jogging around the field and a train and a line. And the goal is, is to not let the fastest person catch up to the slowest person. If you do, you got to do 15 push-ups, and then you got to start over again. I hated the soul train, but the coaches loved it. They loved to do that to us on those two-a-days. And I remember being in middle school doing that, and there was a time where I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done with this. You know, one, I had a, a bad morning one time where I saw my breakfast twice on the field, and then I was like, you know what? This is just not for me. Two-a-days, middle school football. This is different than fourth and fifth grade football. This is getting to be big stuff. So I was like, you know what? 
I'm, I'm kind of getting done with, with football. So I told my dad, told my coach that, you know what, I, I'm done. I kind of want to throw my hands up. I don't know if I want to even go through the season. And they're like, well, you know, you're making a commitment. You know, we've heard that before, and you want to finish your commitment. But before the season starts, we really need to know, do you want to do this? Do you want to put in the effort and put in the work, or do you want to call it quits? And so I had to sit there and I had to think for a minute because I was done. Two days about did me in. I don't know if y'all been in situations like that where you're like, you know what? I'm just done. So I had a decision to make. Well, we get to a story here about a widow and the prophet Elijah. Okay, And we're coming on to this very desperate, interesting, sad scene. You get to the scene here where it talks about God telling Elijah, saying, hey, you need to go to Zarephath and to this town over here. And I, there's, a, there's a widow you're going to meet. Okay? And when you see this widow, ask her to feed you. Give her the command to feed you. Okay? Now, this town that Elijah's going to was not a very, uh, let's say, nice town. It was controlled by... Queen Jezebel, which if you know the Bible, she's not the best of people, all right? And also, they were going through a drought in this season as well. And so, when you're a prophet going into this place, you know, you got to be thinking, like, okay, what am I gonna, what's God going to have me walk upon, you know? He's calling me to go to this, you know, hostile town in a drought and you know, go find a widow. And now, if you know anything about widows in this day and age, they usually didn't have much, Okay? Uh, their husband has passed on or is not with them for whatever reason, and they are left with very little provision, nobody to provide for them, okay? And so he's going to find this widow in this hostile town and not only find her and say, hey, guess what? God told me to tell you that you've got to feed me. Now, how well do you think that was going to go over, okay? How well does that, and you know, it's, it's just kind of like, to me, it almost feels like, you're the only old Miss fan walking into a sea of purple and Baton Rouge. It's just not a good feeling, okay? It's just not a good feeling. And especially if you win in Baton Rouge, you want to get out of town quickly, right? So, you know, it's one of those things, all right? You're going to this place, you're like, yeah, I don't know how this is going to be. I don't know how this is going to feel. But you know what? Elijah did it, and God had a purpose for this, okay? He had a purpose for this moment here. And so he set out, went to Zarephath, and guess what? There was a widow by the gate. Okay, and she was gathering some sticks. Okay, so obviously Elijah's getting a full picture when he walks into the scene here. Here's a widow. I knew she's going to be on some hard times, and she's gathering sticks. So she really doesn't have a lot. Okay, she really must be really in bad shape. Okay, but he went over to her and he called to her and said, "Hey, bring me a little water in the vessel so that I may have something to drink." And as she's going to bring it, he called her and said, "Hey, and bring me some bread that's in your hand." Okay, now he, Elijah didn't quite know yet that she was planning to fix her last meal for her and her son, that they were going to eat it, and then they would commit themselves to die. Okay, he didn't know that final piece of it until she told him. But he said, hey, why don't you come over here? Why don't you give me this as the Lord commanded? Give me some water. Give me some morsel. And, you know, let's see what happens. But then she responds. She says, well, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing to bake. Only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I now gather a couple of sticks so I may go home, prepare it for myself, my son, so that I may eat it and die. Again, here comes Elijah to a hostile town during a drought where they worship pagan gods. 
And this woman must know that he's a man of God, man of Yahweh, because she said, as the Lord your God lives, saying that, you know, your God may take care of you, but for me, I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm out here gathering sticks by the gate, and I'm going to fix something, I'm going to eat it, and I'm going to die. She's given up. At this point in her life, she's had a, must have had a string of events, tragic events, to become a widow, to have a son, nobody to help her out. And so she's going to take what she's got, they're going to fix a final meal, and then resort to themselves to death. She has given up. But see, God has a bigger plan. He has a bigger purpose. He has something that we can learn from this here. Okay. And so the first words that was spoken to this widow who had given up, was going to commit herself to death, the first words that God spoke to her through Elijah was what? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. How many times in Scripture do we hear in these moments where God, through prophets, with Jesus, tells his believers, his followers, and others, hey, guess what? Do not be afraid. What are you afraid of? Remember, I'm the God that takes care of the flowers in the fields, that dresses them more beautiful than royalty. I'm the one that takes care of the birds in the air. They always have something to eat. I'm the one that can... Resurrect the dead. What are you afraid of? Do not be afraid, was the first words to this widow through the prophet Elijah. So Elijah said, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake and bring it to me. And afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Go and do this. God's got this. He's going to provide for you until the rain comes back. He's going to fill the gap. He's going to get you there. Just trust him. Just trust him. Go. Fix me something to eat. And then go fix yourself something to eat. So now the widow could have just said, no, no, this is all nuts. I'm sticking to my original plan. I don't know who you are, but you're a prophet of God who's coming here and telling me to give you food, to not be afraid, to go fix myself something, but that I'm going to still somehow get some food out of all this until it rains again. He, she could have just said, no, I'm good. I, I don't believe you. I'm going to go and do my own thing and go with my original plan. But you know what? Something changed inside of her. Something moved inside of her. Because what did she do? She went and did as Elijah said. So that she as well as he and her household would eat for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied. Neither did the jug of oil fail. And according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. A miracle was performed. She had food. Now he just didn't give her a bunch of food all at once and said, okay, hey, ration this out, woman, until you think it's going to rain again. He gave her enough each day so that she would not starve to death. Gave her what she needed in that moment each day so that way she can continue to live. And that's how our God works. Our God will show up in ways that we least expect it. The widow did not expect that prophet Elijah to come along. He, 
She did not expect that he'd say, hey, give me water and what little bit you got left that you're going to eat as your final meal. And she didn't expect for herself to be provided for with just enough each and every day until the rains came. But God came through in ways that she could not see. She got hope. She was given grace. She was not a faithful follower of God. She was a Gentile living in a hostile land that probably worshipped pagan gods. But yet God sent his prophet to her. The least of these. The widows who were forgotten, who were thrown out to fend for themselves. He sent his prophet to her. And not only did he send his prophet to speak words of hope, of do not be afraid, but he provided for her. Why would God do that for someone who was a Gentile, someone who was not a faithful follower? Well, it shows to us that our God is a bigger God than we could ever imagine. A God full of love and grace that is there for those that the society kicks out. For those that people turn their back against. Our God is a God of love and grace. And this is shown right here in this moment. And so the woman received hope. Now for me, one of my biggest regrets that I had in middle school was that I did eventually quit the team. And I hate that about myself. I wish I wouldn't have done that. Because if you know anything about football training, once you get through the push of two-a-days, it gets a little easier, right? You, get, you hit your stride, and you start working, and you get into the season, and then you're just pushing through it. But I quit, and I wish I wouldn't have done that. And that's one thing I always remember, that when things get a little tough in life, right? When we feel like we, we've had enough and we want to give up, you know, and God says, you know, just hang in there. Don't be afraid. You know, I wish I would have just hung in there and would have finished it out. And I think I would have been rewarded for doing so. But, you know, we're all, as I said earlier, had moments where we felt like that. You know, y'all, most of us are pretty tired right now. A lot of us may have a lot on our plate right now. And we just can't see how we can fit one more thing to do. One more cause to give to. One more task to on our calendar. You know, some of us are tapped out. I know a lot of the families are, but there's different seasons of life. Even folks who are retired will tell me, you know what? I'm probably busier in retirement than I was when I wasn't retired. You know, it happens. And we want to give up. And we want to quit. We don't see how we can fit one more thing on our plate. And now you're coming to church, right? You're sacrificing your Sunday mornings where you could be sleeping in where you could be uh, catching up on sports or cleaning the house or doing the laundry or whatever it is that you want to do on a Sunday. But you give up your time to come to church. And now you're at church and you're like, okay, God, I did my thing. Check the box off. Come to Sunday worship. Now leave me alone. Don't, don't ask me to do anything else because I gave up Sunday morning, right? And then when you get here, the church is saying, what can you do more? What can you give more? You've got this. And sometimes you're like, I can't. But yet, somehow that widow, when she wanted to say, no, God, I can't anymore, she did. And somehow God blessed her in a way that she didn't even imagine. You know, my faith journey personally, coming from a school teacher and then getting called in mid-career to do pastoral work, I didn't know what kind of journey I'd be getting on. But I've been blessed in ways that I'm surprised each and every day. 
some of you who have done that, who have gone on these mission trips or done something special when you just didn't feel like you could for the church, probably found blessings in areas that you just didn't even expect to find blessings. So yes, we're tired. Yes, we just want to sometimes give up. But yet, we're being asked to give more. But why do we do that? Why do we give? Why do we want to give of our resources and time? What, what's, what's in it, huh? What about it? Well, this whole stewardship series, we're looking at you know, why we do things. And today is why we give. That's the theme. And you don't necessarily give to receive, even though you may receive a blessing in return. But you do it also to be part of a community. Church is just not something you do to check off the list. Church is community. It's this right here. It's being present. It's praying for each other and supporting each other. It's not just something you do. It's a community you're a part of. And when you do that, you get to see the love and grace of Jesus in each and every person and each and everything you do. And you know, that's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to live. And that's why we do it. When you give, you live. And you're part of a community that shares in that love and that grace.